Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This week on Two Girls, One Podcast, it's time to talk about the unintended consequences of social media. And no, I don't mean when your parents mistake the Facebook status field for a Google search. His profile is just post after post that reads Megan Fox Nudes. And now here are your hosts who constantly rotate their MySpace top eight so none of their friends get offended. Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. I don't know why I'm talking like that. It's very early. I'm Lindsay. Like Dracula? That is what it is. I saw Renfield last night. That's why I was talking like that. Wow. Good job, Matt. Wow, Matt cracked the case. (laughs) Well, it's super on brand. Hi, I'm Allie. It's on brand for today's episode, where we're looking at how social media is ruining lives. Sucking sucking the souls. Those are more like Dementors. Could you do a Mm, Dementor mm -hmm. Dementors don't talk. Right? <laughs> you nailed it! <laughs> it was a trick question to test to test your Harry Potter knowledge. Oh, wow. We can continue to be friends now. My, my seven-year-old son uh-huh. was at his friend's house, and he, like, was watching random YouTube videos. And he's like, and then this morning, he's like, I, uh, I, watched, a, I watched a video about the Grim Reaper, uh, Daddy. Do, do we have souls? Oh, oh, my God. No. And what was your response? <laughs> I said, A, there's no such thing as the Grim Reaper, and B, I don't think we have souls. I think we just have brains and bodies. Wow, Matt. So you don't believe... This is very interesting. Wow. Way to go, seven-year-old, for like going deep. Sorry to take us off track. No, I'm ready because... I like kind of want to know what you all think. I have thoughts of my own. Yeah, Lindsay gasped. Okay. Yeah. Do you think we're just brains and bodies? I mean, I don't believe in the soul concept the way it is currently portrayed as like the spirit leaves your body and goes to Mm -hmm. heaven or does all this other stuff but i don't i think we're brains bodies and some form of energy that maybe gets absorbed back into the earth i I don't know yeah i think if energy is never created or destroyed then like what we are has to continue on in some way and i grew up in My mother is the daughter of a minister, so, you know, religious. And my dad also grew up going to church because he's black and from Alabama. Mm -hmm. But he has more of like a a thinking man's way of looking at it all. Did you just accuse your grandfather of not thinking? Is that what just happened? Well, (laughs) sounds like it. That's, uh, wow. I wish you hadn't pointed out that little loophole in what I was saying. (laughs) But (laughs) Checkmate. Okay. 
Continue. My grandfather is a thinker, but here are the real facts. My grandfather didn't go to college and my father went to grad school. So the way that they think about thinking is also very different. You know, the way that they think about thinking. I love that. Mm. Yeah. So my grandfather is very much a man of his emotions, which are also usually very kind and gentle, like gentle emotions. Um, And so he's a heart man thinking with mm-hmm. his heart. And my dad is like a, a sit and quietly contemplate the vastness of the world. Like I remember I had lots of questions about things when I was growing up and I told my dad like, Hey, well, you, I've told you all about how I gave up on Trinitism before Santa Claus. Right. <laughs> so like I was talking to my dad about these things. Wait, that makes sense to me that you would give up on the Holy Trinity before Santa. Yeah. It makes <laughs> less sense. I, I think so. One is way more fun. I'll say that. <laughs> right. So it's easy to go on trying to believe the fun one, but once someone tells you about the Trinity, I think it makes perfect sense. <laughs> You're like, that doesn't, no, can't. You're know? like, well, first of all, your whole your whole semantics are off. There's just one God, but then the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God. That's definitely three things, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Your, your whole thing is not right. Anyway, I talked to my dad one time, and I was like, Dad, do you think that like Jesus is literally the Son of God? And he's like, you know, I think Jesus was a great man. There were lots of great men. But like, you know, Lazarus came back after three days of being dead. So if Jesus wanted to be super impressive, maybe he could have like floated down off the cross. I don't know. But it seems like, (laughs) you know, kind of been there, done that a little bit. And I was like, whoa, dad, did you tell mom? And he was like, no, we're not going to talk to mom about this. (laughs) But (laughs) your dad's theology is like, who's going to top the last guy? I'll believe in that. (laughs) Well, he's just like, there's, he's also really into sci-fi and he thinks maybe there's Mm -hmm. some form of kind of a a version of immortality that happens and that's why everybody's drawn to those ideas of like whatever probably it's aliens though he's also like not opposed to aliens Mm -hmm. Uh, aliens are real um okay so here's my question though if energy never dies what happened did these eight billion people come from so this is what i think this is what i think well energy's never created or destroyed so like i think honestly well whatever (laughs) This is not science. Literally, this is not science. These are just what Lindsay thinks about. And now she's saying them on a recorded situation. But I think that when you die, when anything dies, parts of whatever came together to create that, then like you said, Allie, like dissipate into the rest of the universe. Do you think the billions of people have come from extinct animals? Yeah, I do. And I also think that (laughs) I also, but not like specifically, but I think that when you meet someone and you feel like super close to them, that you probably shared part of like a past soul or existence or something. And when you have those friendships that are like super strong for like two weeks, like the two of you were part of something like very intense, but it's too intense for you to stay friends forever. You know, nothing has to happen. But I just think that like, it all can kind of work together in a way. I was with you till the end. At the end, you really went off the rails. Yeah, it was same, same, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I just think that like maybe a little bit, that's like like how I feel about it. Maybe like that's why you feel so close to some people and, you know, why you're wary of other people even though you don't really know them. But this idea that there's content, I think we're talking about continuity of of a spiritual soul thing. And I don't believe that. 
that where did these 8 billion people come from? They come from the atoms and biological processes that make up banana peels and amoebas and and dogs and humans. Like there's nothing special about the human existence. Well, I mean, I think there's something special about everything. Like I can see a tree and be like, God damn, that tree is so gorgeous. All these other trees must be jealous. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) That's anthropomorphizing like nature. Mm -hmm. But I just Mm -hmm. think that there is a connectedness and that it cycles through. You know what I mean? You heard it here. Lindsay enjoys mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, that's true. (laughs) My only response is that I agree with you, but that connectedness is not spiritual or separated from physical matter. Okay, what if we didn't cause animals to go extinct and we still had 8 billion people on the planet? Where would it come from? What does that mean? Well, there have been many (laughs) natural extinctions. It's just that humans are causing this current one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you're still alluding to the idea that animal A, a dinosaur needs to become a s- extinct so its soul can go into another creature. It's like, no, no, I'm not no. saying so it's so I'm just saying when a dinosaur dies, whatever it is, like the ad- the literal atoms that it was and the life that it experienced dissipates back into the right, world. And just like generational, if you believe in generational trauma, like <laughs> it it makes sense, honestly. Right, but the atoms do not carry emotional. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, generational trauma is like, they're finding that it's like embedded in DNA. Boom, I mean, boom, science. Well, that well, that's human genetics. But that's different. That's different. yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. more of the the body and the brain. That yeah, we're just bodies and brains. Right, exactly. I don't know. It's I don't know. Like I said, it's not science. This is how misinformation starts. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not misinformation. If I start off with. It's not science. Everybody has a soul and it goes into the earth. No, I do think, uh, you know, it goes back into the earth because the maggots and eat it. Yeah. Exactly. I just don't know. They consume the energy. The thing that happens to humans is the same thing that happens to the compost in my backyard. It just breaks down into dirt and then uh, plants and animals grow out of it. It's That's just nature. It's not spiritual. Exactly. But when you plant, when you put certain things into the dirt, that plant, is a different, it can grow in a different way. Right. And I just think that's, I don't know. I don't even it's, know. It's cool. I just it's nature. think things are more connected than we give the universe credit for. I'll, I'll put it to you another way. The water, the cut, the glass of water that you drank this morning was also, those exact atoms were drank by dinosaurs 60, 80 million years ago because it's the same stuff. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. And I agree with you, Matt, that dinosaurs are inside all of us. There you go. We solved it. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of, for real though, I went to this thing put on by National Geographic last night. Yeah. And it was actually unbelievable. So speaking of the earth and extinctions and energy, there's this woman... Alize, I'm going to mess up her last name, Carrer. I don't know. She didn't, I don't know. They said her last name once at the event. You know what I mean? Yeah. She looks at adaptations that are happening around the world from climate change. So goes to Hmm. like these rural communities who are like creating floating gardens. And it was really interesting. So um, she spoke about it and gave, you know, a behind the scenes slideshow. But there's a series coming out and it's by her. It's her documentary called Adaptation, and it's available on PBS Digital. And it was what we saw last night was truly amazing. So if y'all are curious, go look and start eating carp. Eat carp. Carp. <laughs> okay. The fish. Yeah. Apparently, carp okay. is a delicacy in Asia, and in the U.S., it's an invasive species, and yeah. mm. it's really taken over. And 
They breed yeah. like crazy and they leap out of the water and they're like damaging boats. This actually <laughs> doesn't have to do with climate change this part. But <laughs> no, she used this example as a jumping off point for like how people are adapting to nature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so apparently like Americans view it as a trash fish, but it's like a delicacy in China and people should start eating it. All right, great. Lots of things get transitioned from trash fish into delis- delicacy because there's so much of it <laughs> and everything else gets <laughs> pushed no, out. No, 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 no. But apparently it's always been a delicacy in China. And here That's it's good. considered a trash fish. So we should yeah. start eating it to help restore native ecosystems. And I found that very interesting because I like stopped eating beef because California's always on fire. You know, I read this stat that was like, I forget what it was, but it was literally like billions of chicken sandwiches were consumed this year. And I'm like, that's too many. Mm. Maybe I should. Mm. Like once you learn too much, you're like, I can't eat meat. Yeah. I wish I could stop eating chicken. Chicken, <laughs> it's very inhumane what we do for yeah, chicken. Yeah, it is. Although environmentally, it's way less of a problem than beef. But I know. Yeah, I, keep, like, I mean, cutting... I haven't eaten beef since I was 11. But yeah. Wow. Well, I keep learning things about the world and then feeling like, oh, God, I can't have that anymore. But carp, fucking eat it up, friends. Here we eat go. your carp. <laughs> you heard it here first. Eat a lot of carp. I'm going to start eating so much carp. I love you're that. You're going to get buff. <laughs> carp is going to be your um, cod and you're going to turn into the rock. Yeah. The rock eats like 18 pounds of cod a day. It's insane. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I want to find more proteins where I don't feel bad about the world. And this is it. Anyway, go check out Adaptation on PBS. It's not at all related to the topic today, which is kids on social media. So wait, I'm sorry. But just to clarify, you, what I think I hear you saying is this that... It's going to be absurd, isn't it? We should all carp, carpe diem, right? That was terrible. Now that everyone cool has turned this off, I love it. Let's talk about today's actual subject, which is social media and the kids, what it's doing to their brains and what some school districts are doing about it. Well, I think what's interesting is, you know, we've we've talked before about the problems with social media and then we're always like, ah, are we old people bitching about social media? But this is really interesting because school districts are starting to bring lawsuits against social media companies. So that's what we're diving into today. Wild. I don't even know. If a school district wins one of these lawsuits, does does Facebook have to pay for all the therapy for, for every kid in their district? Here's like, hoping. What are they asking for is, is what I kind mm-hmm. of can't wrap my head around. And can I get the free therapy too. Mm-hmm. Side note, be sure to claim your class action Facebook money from the Cambridge Analytica suit. You can put in a, a claim to get your- $3? I assume ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> yeah, I Matt. saw a thing in the LA Times and I was like, but how much money? Like, is this worth my time? Let's just keep our voices a little lower so that less <laughs> listeners hear. Few, okay. The fewer people that do it, the more money we get, okay? So Great. we do it and we get a lot, but don't tell your friends. How long was the form? I, it took me a minute and a half this morning. Oh, okay. I might actually do this. What did you have to tell them about yourself? You put in your name and you put in your like user ID, like your your Facebook username. I'm going to go, I'm just going to be quiet so no, people don't hear. Facebook yeah. username. Yeah. And con- you, saw, you c- commit under penalty of perjury that you do... You did have a Facebook account between 
these dates and then you get and then you get money. We're going to get nine cents for them to have everything. Okay, I just Googled this and let's talk about the dumbest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to print out the claim and mail it to Facebook consumer privacy user profile litigation. That's what this website says. I don't know. Maybe California is weird. I submitted mine online and I got a confirmation. I'm good to go. I'm a millionaire now. (laughs) I assume. The idea of having to mail it is absurd. I I bought a second house. Oh, a second house. Oh, okay. Well, some of us uh, will never buy a first. (laughs) Okay. Friends, speaking mm-hmm. of Facebook and how we're all going to fill out this sheet to make just to make sure Matt only gets six cents. Um, <laughs> let's, <laughs> me. let's talk about what trivia you have for us, Matthew. Hey, mm-hmm. OK. All right. We're talking today about protecting the children from the dangers of social media, uh, specifically with regard to these school lawsuits. Uh, this week's trivia is about other things that have been banned across multiple U.S school district. So I want to clarify specifically U.S. and this is not just a one-off classroom or a parent or a school. This is like a thing that happened across multiple districts. Books featuring black and brown children. (laughs) Okay, perhaps. We'll see. I have three choices for you. Two of these innocuous things were banned from schools across this great nation. One of them I just added in for funsies. So you're looking at the one that was not banned from U.S. schools. Are you ready? Yes. Mm-hmm. A, Pogs. Y'all remember Pogs? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the little bottle cap, decorative bottle cap things. Mm-hmm. And you'll, I never played it, but you flip them over and you, yeah. whatever. It's like marbles, but with flat. Exactly. Pogs, yeah. Or was it B, Dodgeball, Lindsay? Hey. Too rough. It's too Band. rough. Them kids are soft. <laughs> <laughs> or was it C, Bart Simpson t-shirts. Wow, I feel what? like, is is D all of the above an option? D, all of these were banned. Yes, I'm gonna go with D. Is there an E none of them were banned? There is not an E at this time. <laughs> I'm gonna go with D. Okay, Lindsay goes with all. Yes. Is it a trick? It's possibly a trick. Am I tricking you? I'm so nervous. If one wasn't banned, I think it would be Pogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think they were all banned. I do think Pogs were banned. Yeah, I think they were. I don't know. It's hard for you unless you want to go D as well. But you know, I like to diversify our answers. And Ooh. I like to go for that D wherever I can. Wow. <laughs> Bart Simpson t-shirts were not banned. Wow. Okay, Allie wow. goes with C, the rare non-D choice from Allison Thank Goldberg. You so much. We'll find out the correct answer after this commercial break. All right, everyone, now is the time where we scroll through our friends list and see who's at the top with a $10 or more donation. Our MySpace top eight includes Wesley Cordell, Jerry Duran, Jessica Fox, Kathy Phillips, my best friend, Matthew Scott, our other best friend, Melissa Elliott, William, Ken M, Jessica Kybell, and Kelsey Murray. (laughs) You know, you're all our best friends, but literally anyone who gives at any amount, including our few new Patreon subscribers, we love you all, and we would never unfollow you or hide you so that we don't see your posts. We heart your faces, and we can't wait to see you in our feeds. And now a real internet post entitled, Poll. Should all neighbors be required to mow their lawn twice a week? From the number one destination for lawn care tips and tricks, Next Door, courtesy of Best of Next Door. 
Should all neighbors be required to mow their lawn twice a week, hmm? Some people don't think it is important to keep their lawn up to reasonable standards like mowing or maybe pulling a few weeds. Maybe I'm just being a crazy woman, but I think we should take pride in our, quote, hood. I let you decide. Smiley emoji. 96% of neighbors voted no. Yo, some people need to get a weed whacker or whack their weedy neighbors. No, that wasn't funny. Wow. I I can't. I don't think I can legally hit the button on that. Sorry. Isn't weed whacker also a nickname for a dick? Is it? Hmm. Well, if you look up alternate names for a dick, there's really a very long list, and I think that is on the list of a hundred names for a dick. Not that I have Googled specifically this. Weed whacker. Whacking (laughs) is not something I want to think about when naked. I just don't want that (laughs) to be a part of it. Yeah, it's too dangerous. Yeah, it sounds a little overly violent. All right, well, is Bart Simpson allowed in schools? What was banned across multiple U.S. schools and school districts? Uh, Was it A, Pogs, B, Dodgeball, C, Bart Simpson t-shirts, Allie chose it, Lindsay went with the D. Mm -hmm. All of these were banned. Are we sticking with? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, the correct answer is D, all of them banned Ah! from schools. I mean, U.S. schools will ban anything. Yeah, I mean, except guns, I guess. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) My God. Everybody, we're going to take a quick cry break before our guest. (laughs) Well, anyway, um, hogs were banned because they started too many fights in the 90s. So (laughs) teachers were like, no, we can't have pogs. Damn, you got to love millennial kids. We're intense about pogs. I remember that, yeah. Dodgeball was banned because it was too rough. Concussions. And Bart Simpson t-shirts. When You have to remember, before the Simpsons was like a craze... It began as like a like a rude cartoon. Yeah. It was like, eat my shorts, man. Don't have a cow, man. And it yeah. was like Bart Simpson was like rude and crude. And that got people very upset in 1990. So T-shirts with Bart Simpson were not allowed in, in some school districts. Mm-hmm. So true. It's so, so true. I love this. That was a great one, Matt. Protect the children. Protect the children. <laughs> and now we're banning books called Me and My Abuela. Because Abuela only (laughs) speaks Spanish, and that's dangerous. It's dangerous. You can't be. It's a slippery slope. But you know what is killing the kids? Social media. (laughs) It is time to welcome our very esteemed guest, a senior tech reporter at CNN. Please welcome Samantha Kelly. Hi, Sam. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, we are very excited to have you. So can you... Walk us through this. How, how did this get started? Sure. So, yeah, there's a small but growing number of school districts and families who have filed lawsuits against social media companies for their alleged impact on teen mental health. And most recently, one county in Pennsylvania did the same thing, too. Full disclosure, I am actually from that county, Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and it's I've been following this topic for a while. So it's really interesting to kind of go back and, and visit and see kind of how they're leading the, the efforts here. But basically, to take a step back, 
the first school district to do so was in Seattle, and it's the biggest in the state of Washington, 50,000 students. We've also seen lawsuits out of California and a bunch of other places since then. But stemming from claims that that social media is harming their students' mental health. And, you know, we've also seen it from families um, filing lawsuits saying the same thing, contributing to their suicides. It stems a lot from the um, Facebook whistleblower papers that were released back in fall 2021. I can't believe it's been that long at this point. I also can't believe it took that long for someone to blow the whistle, you know? So true. Um, So now, you know, taking what we've learned and now a lot of um, schools are really scrambling. They're seeing the impact of this every day. And a lot of schools now of course, they're seeking some monetary damage, saying they can't keep up with the counseling, the you know literacy that they need, and and things that they need to do to support this massive overflow of the impact that they're seeing on a day to day level. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering. Okay, can you tell us a little bit more about what came out in that big reveal in 2021 that's now getting this momentum sort of started? So Frances Haugen was an employee at um, Facebook at the time and um, had um, access to thousands and thousands of pages of internal documents that Uh, cited research and findings um, that the company was very aware of the teen mental health, the the impact that the algorithms that they had, you know, what it's like for a teenager to not only be a part of sort of the strategies that they've put in place, but of course, there's the whole like comparison machine of like what it's like to see other people posting pictures and how that makes you feel. Um, And that they were very aware of this and they were kind of starting to do some efforts, but they, you know, they were still pulling, um, you know, full speed ahead as far as the addiction goes. Basically, we all know, I know that at late at night, I I look forward to, you know, quiet time after work and, you know, day-to-day life. And then I find myself just scrolling on social media and I know better, you know, I'm a grown up. I'm very aware of this and teens just don't have that, that regulation. And there's so many um, different issues that come into play. So the company was very aware of this and it sort of put the spotlight on these issues. And not only did the company go to, um, you know, congressional hearings. We also heard from TikTok and Snap and um, a lot of other different companies came forward as well. They vowed to do better. But now to your point, fast forward a year and a half later, what are we seeing? What changes have happened? You know, and, and there's not a lot. There's some stuff that we've seen different, you know, new tools. Um, parents can get involved more. Instagram might encourage you to take a break. Um, but these are all so minor when the issues are just so major. I mean, I personally feel, but I don't, I don't want to lead every, I don't want to ask a leading question, but basically I do feel that this is just lip service where they're just trying to appease everyone. Or do you feel like any noteworthy changes have actually been made? I would say that a bunch of minor Incremental changes have been made. There's new tools. They're starting to tinker with age verification technology. But I do believe that, you know, some of these lawsuits that we're seeing, what I think is sort of powerful about them is in theory, it could start to hold some of these companies accountable. From the state level, from the government's standpoint, we have no regulation right now. Very few. In fact, um, just recently in the last few weeks, Utah and Arkansas became the first two states to pass uh, social media laws. And this is so interesting too. I don't know how closely you guys have been following this, but um, Utah actually was the first to do this. And now they are going to require um, minors to get their parents' permission in order to sign up for social media sites. There's also Mm. a curfew, so they can only be on 
social media um, during the day. There's like a 10.30 p.m. cutoff. And um, parents can actually have access to their teen's content and interactions. And there's this is a whole, you know, controversial, you know, digital rights thing here too, because at one point it's like people are saying, this is a good move because, you know, there needs to be more rules enforced. And right now there are no rules, but then you're looking at a teenager's rights. And what if a parent doesn't approve something? And then you put the onus on the parent to serve, you know, like as a surveillance in a way of, and social media is 24 seven. So parents need to sleep and eat and work and they can't, you know, social media is happening all the time. So it's very complicated here, I would say. Maybe it will make it less cool if your parents have to be in it and then people start keeping journals again. Well, that's what happened to Facebook, right? (laughs) Yeah, parents are on it. But I mean... Parents are all over. T- like, you know who's the coolest right now? It's grandma. I think the best way is just comment on your kids' videos. Yeah, comment on your kids' videos and also let's make it a space for grandmas. You know what I mean? Because I think the biggest surprise to me is all these older women. Like, l- I'm not saying older women like people in their 50s. I mean, like, women who are 70s and 80s are all over TikTok and Instagram. And I think if we make that the people that are influencing our kids, that's like the safest thing we can do, right? That's too funny. It's funny. Like also there was a New York Times piece that came out a few months ago that said, of course, teenagers get a bad rap for being addicted to their phones and even, you know, young adults too. But older, you know, retired parents, so like young grandparents are the new worst offenders. Like they come over and they have their grandkids there and they're like, you know, playing Candy Crush on their iPad or they're like totally ignoring everybody. (laughs) And it's like they have this newfound time. They're retired now. And so they're like taking up these hobbies and a lot of them involve social media and games. So it's, it's interesting you say that about the grandparents. But yes, there are definitely those influencers on TikTok for sure who are in the older realm as well. Yeah. But if the parents start commenting and whatever, the kids just make the Finsta and then that's that. Like, that's not necessarily the solution. Right. I was also wondering with the curfew, like, I feel like there's so many ways for kids to just get around all this. Totally. But Sam, I was wondering also, before we move on from the from Utah and Arkansas, like, I'm sorry to stereotype those two states, but like, are these bans and curfews and regular? Is this about like, we can't let kids see that gay people exist? And st- like, where is this coming from? Is this a different side of the issue? It's interesting mm. you say that. So it's not just um, conservative states. There's Connecticut is considering this. California has some legislation in the works. This is all state by state and it's different. So what's happening in Utah is slightly different than Arkansas. But it, the issue at hand is bipartisan. Hmm. And so because there, there are no sweeping government regulations, these states now are starting to take these approaches. But I mean, to your point, I mean, there are some cases where, you know, it reminds me a little bit of back in the 1940s and the 1950s, they actually, there was a state ban on some movie theaters because they thought teens were going to like skip school and have like sexual activities mm-hmm. in these movie theaters. And they didn't know what to do. <laughs> So they just like, I mean, they weren't wrong. <laughs> oh my God. Is it teens or is it, you know, my friends? No, I'm just kidding. Oh my <laughs> well, same with social media. It's not just teens, right? It's bad for all of us. And yeah. uh, all ages are also, you know, doing weird things in the movie. <laughs> but they're going to do it anyway. They're going to find another place, not just a movie theater. So, but to your point about, you know, being able to adapt social media companies to adapt, but also enforce it. It's like, 
a minor could also steal the identity of a family member who doesn't use social media, who might be older, or create access to accounts that doesn't have oversight. Or maybe the VPN is like not matching the IP address, or you go on vacation to Florida and they don't have rules and you sign up there. So <laughs> it's going to be really tricky, I think, to kind of reinforce this. Don't I think instead of, pol- well, whatever, it, this is going to be way easier said than done. But instead of policing social media and like making kids feel like their parents are hounding them and delving into their privacy, we need to just find things that are more interesting, like just make actual things happen in life that kids can want to do, you know? I think we we kind of overcorrected from, I feel like in the 90s, there was, I feel like my parents were all talking about how, are we getting our kids into too many activities? So now your solution is send them to more activities. Yes. (laughs) Make them do more things together in person. I mean, and take away their phones for them. I mean, the phones are designed to be addictive for adults as well. As well, yeah, I'm absolutely addicted to my phone. Absolutely. If if there's no new emails coming in, I'm like, what do I do? I just, I guess I'll just keep refreshing this. I have to hide mine in the other room while I podcast. Otherwise, I look at it. There's no need. Okay, so, but the first lawsuit was in Bucks County. How many other locations have followed suit? I'm sorry for that pun. Um, so that's the first <laughs> county. But what's interesting about that is it's, you know, encompasses different school districts. And it's the first time an entire region is sort of taking a stance on something like this. So it's pretty significant. And, you know, people are saying that these lawsuits are potentially more significant than some of the bills that they're seeing pass because mm. it's making more noise. Um, it's holding companies a little bit more accountable. You know, what's interesting too, is just going back to, to one of the earlier points too, is if you do, and I'm all for putting kids in more activities. I agree. I feel like I need more activities <laughs> myself, um, but I take up some knitting courses. Yeah. The solution to social media is pottery. <laughs> exactly. It actually is though, Allie. Okay. (laughs) Well, not just pottery. Anyway, continue, Sam. Sorry. No, no, no. But at the same time, the thing is, this is the way we live right now. So if you're keeping teens off online communities until they're 18 years old, which is what they want in Utah and Arkansas. Keep in mind Mm -hmm. at 18, you can drive, which is still an incredible responsibility and you can have a job. You can die for your country, but you can't vote. (laughs) Exactly. Or join Instagram. So (laughs) (laughs) equally as bad. Yeah, totally. Um, But you know, then they're going to college and then they have to be able to understand how online communities work. And even in the workforce, course now, like we use Slack, you have to be able to know how to talk to people in these online communities and relate to people in this way. So to take them off until they're 18 years old and in this world that we live in is also, I think a little, you know, problematic, Mm. but at the same time, some experts are saying the solution or not, you know, part of the solution is just better digital literacy in schools right now. Absolutely. Schools. They need everyone to sign up for that. Adults, for Mm -hmm. for sure. It's really a mess. Okay, continue. Totally. But it's also like, you know, not just don't look at pornography or stay off bad sites. Don't bully other kids. It's more about, okay, let's understand what's happening. Let's look at the, what is an algorithm? How does it work? How does it impact what you're seeing? How can teens respond to that? Or what can they do if they don't, if it makes them feel insecure? And these are things that schools can help teach. And of course, I think it's partially the role of a parent 
to mentor and, you know, teach these things as well. But I think building into that social emotional component rather than just saying, don't do this is going to be more impactful down the line. Mm -hmm. I, I love all this. And I agree that it's the answer. And then the problem is, even if you find the educator who can explain this stuff and understand it, it will be obsolete in five years. And then you have to re-educate the educate. Like the pace is too fast. And that's why I worry that that solution, while correct, will never work. What do you think about yeah. any of that? It's so interesting because it reminds me a little bit about the topic of artificial intelligence right now. Like AI mm -hmm. is everywhere. ChatGPT, is it good? Is it bad? How is it going to change all our industries? And what's interesting here is a lot of, you know, experts and leaders, you know, Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, thought leaders are calling for early regulation. They're saying this is going to happen. It's already happening. We need rules. They even, there was a letter a few weeks ago that said, you know, we need to take a break and like all come together and kind of come up with some sort of guidelines because this is happening too fast and it's going to be dangerous. And what's interesting is I, I think that's actually, even though it's alarming, but it's sort of a thoughtful, proactive approach to seeing the issues down the line. With social media, we are already in the middle of this ocean of trouble, basically. And they're trying to swim and try to get ourselves out of this. And we're so far down the road that it's hard to pull it back and hard to implement new rules, whether it's on a state or the entire U.S. level or even just in your home. It's just really it's kind of out of hand. And at least AI is trying to be slightly more proactive about the approach. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you're saying is true in that, like, we're trying to retroactively navigate something that everyone was saying was a problem. <laughs> as soon as it started, you know, or no, as soon as it started, it was that that was the original sin of like, everyone's connected, everyone has a voice, everyone can we are democratizing information. And that was all good until it became a for profit data brokering. It's never been no. good. Not everybody should no. have a voice. With, not everybody because Facebook started as a way to get nerdy guys who can't talk to people in face-to-face, -face, a way to talk to girls. That's literally right. why it started. So let's sure. not be like, it was all heroic from the beginning. I, I'll, I'll broaden that to say that the internet democratizing information is a, is a good thing, and I would say a net positive thing, nope. an algorithmic platform. <laughs> no. Look, there, there have been regimes overthrown due to the connectivity of the internet. Like, it's a net positive, but we have, but most people's usage of the internet is like, What's the most insane fucking thing that's at the top of the feed? Regimes have been overthrown, but there's also been like uh, genocides because of social media. It's not a net positive. I'm making a distinction between social media and the internet, meaning everyone being able to connect and speak to one another is, is a positive force. Pushing the most insane, racist, xenophobic, misogynist thing to the top of an algorithm because it generates more clicks is the problem. And that's yeah. what's causing mm -hmm. team mental health issues and everything else. Well, first of all, the U.S. is the, you know, kings of overcorrection. It's all or nothing. It's mm -hmm. like, OK, we don't need to make it so, you know, every other country in the world has a better relationship to alcohol than we do because we're so 
crazy. We're like, er, you know, you can't have anything until you're 21. And then you go to college at 18 and everybody's drinking and you binge drink for three years. And then you're like, that wasn't fun. Hmm. So that's what's going to happen with social media. If we're like, you can't have social media until you go to college. That's insane. That's just not reasonable. You have to say this is a healthy way to interact with this thing. I agree. Same for mm -hmm. sex. We do that with sex. That's why we mm -hmm. have so much teen pregnancy. You know, if you just tell kids, hey, you're not going to be that great at it. So just okay, like that's <laughs> wait a minute. What? <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be great at sex. You're not going to be great at social media. You're not going to be great at drinking. Find safe people to sort of do it a little bit at a time with. And then you'll learn how to do to, to self-regulate. You can have a little bit of sex sometimes. You can have a little bit of sex <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> With a condom on. We'll, we'll let uh, we'll let our guest Sam talk in about forty five minutes. But one more one more point here. Um, I'm just glad to be here. This is pretty fun. Sex and alcohol has been the same for about a hundred thousand years, but social media changes every two years, and that's the problem. But the problems with social media don't change. The 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 problems are the same with anything else. It's the same with what was the problem with TV. The problem with magazines. How can a parent or educator allow a ch a teenager? To to use social media safely if they have no idea what the fuck's going on on TikTok. You know what I mean? And it's designed to be an addiction, right. too. Like, it's designed that way. The only way to combat addiction is a different activity. Mm -hmm. That's why rehab is a good place to get sober, but it's hard to stay sober when you're not in rehab. Because when you're in rehab, there's so many things to do to keep your mind off of the thing that you have trained your brain and your body to want to do that it's easy to stay sober. But once you're not in this place with all of these activities and all of these people, it's harder to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, that it's going to be easy, but you have to start young. You have to tell kids, hey, everything you see on there, I know it looks like these people's real lives, but that's not right. real. Yeah. But again, this is this is putting all the onus on the people when they they are truly designed to be addictive. And so I believe some of the lawsuits are sort of comparing it to opioids, right? Like what what, are, mm -hmm. what is the responsibility here if you know that you've designed some, and they do, there's a whole movement uh, focused on, you know, people-centered design is what they're calling it. Like how do you redesign all of this to be more about people and their experience? There's that great documentary, I'm blanking on the name, but it was very popular. It's, it's not niche, but they hired psychologists to make sure that it was almost like gambling. But I wanted to go into the nitty gritty of some of these lawsuits. I think some families have filed wrongful death lawsuits after suicides. What are the different types of lawsuits? And do you think any of them hold more sway than others? Early on, we saw a lot of lawsuits that were specifically targeted at Meta, Instagram, Facebook. And then we saw some TikTok and Snap, Snapchat as well. Um, now we're starting to see even more niche sites like Roblox or Discord. Discord is one of those sites that it, I think is extremely problematic, especially because a lot of parents don't know much about it and it has its roots in gaming. So a teen might sign up, want to talk to their friends, and their parents don't know much about it. In fact, at schools, they have these blocking softwares to make sure that they can't, if they're on a school device, they can't access um, Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. But even the schools aren't aware of maybe Roblox or Discord. So they're able to still get on and interact with people during the day you know, interact with strangers even. And some of the problems that we've seen, I've talked to a lot of families over the past two years and some of the dangers that come into this. And there's a lot of predators on across many different sites. 
the whole content moderation and the flagging system, even when there's issues, sometimes it can take days um, and you have to have significant proof to get people kicked off these sites. And it's, it's sort of a, you can fall down a rabbit hole here. So basically there's a firm in Seattle called the Social Media Victims uh, Law Center. They put out these promotional radio ads, basically maybe about a year or so ago saying like, if your kid was you know involved in something and you think that social media was behind it, reach out. They have since filed thousands of maybe I would say between 1,000 and 2,000 lawsuits, probably within the last uh, year or so, from these different families, um, some of which are class action, some are individual lawsuits going after these different companies. I've spoken to some of these families. Last year, I flew out to Wisconsin. We did a piece at CNN talking to a family who lost their son, who was dealing with um, a lot of stress that was stemming from Facebook at the time and how sort of how it upended the entire family and the community. And basically, if you look at these lawsuits, it's hard to say what will really happen, how this will play out. You have to think about judges and juries all across the U.S. and how they will vary. But I think that there will be some wins and I think there will be some losses, but I don't necessarily think the losses mean that this shouldn't keep happening. I sort of I think it goes back to the idea of the more noise and, you know, speaking out about these issues, the more that these companies will have to be held accountable. And if they're not going to make changes, then the states are going to have to do something or the government is going to have to do something. President Biden made social media a major point in one of his State of the Union addresses. So this is something that is obviously affecting so many different families. It doesn't really matter where you're from. And it's it's really scary, you know, some of the things that is happening um, in the day-to-day life that parents are not even aware of. And I think that it doesn't really matter how you could have an A-plus student and, you know, a kid that would never go to a movie theater and do the types of things that people would think that would happen back in the 1950s. But this is impacting (laughs) literally everybody right now. One other thing I did want to mention, too, of like, you know, in addition to these state laws starting to mandate age verification. This will start potentially later in September and then next year um, in Utah. But in Utah specifically, they want to remove the advertising for kids, but also the algorithms for kids. So you might say, that's a good thing. Okay. So, you know, they're not going to push certain content towards teenagers. On the flip side of that, algorithms are also behind like downranking of Instagram and Facebook. So if you have a friend or someone you follow, they post something problematic, Facebook is able to kind of detect certain aspects that would make it less visible to people, kind of push it down in their feet. Wait, what do you mean? So basically like there's different algorithms at play that they can, they choose what you get to see based on how many people are interacting with a certain post, Mm -hmm. um, based on content. And if a post has certain keywords, they might want to, like, let's say someone's talking about something controversial. They can downrank that post. So you're less likely to see it. Now that's actually an okay thing when it comes to teenagers and not seeing problematic things. When you are removing algorithms altogether from a teenager's account, they are going to see everything. So it's like, you know, there are good things that come with it and then bad things as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out and what the companies decide once these these laws are mandated. That's really interesting. My knee-jerk reaction to that is like, the algorithm is the problem. Teenagers are not the problem. Meaning like, 
if a teenager says something problematic on the schoolyard, there's no algorithm or teacher or person to moderate that, you know, like the kids will hear it. I like the idea of a non-algorithmic feed because it does not it does not prioritize certain teens over like I think the I assume the mental health problems are about popularity and teens comparing themselves to each other and insecurity. And if it's just people having normal conversations as they would in other normal ways, then like that's what the internet used to be, you know? Yeah. Although the internet also allows for a lot of, you know, anonymity and cyberbullying and things sure. like yeah. that. No, no, for sure. I guess I just mean like the, the anonymity and the predation and like those are all serious problems. But uh, and Sam, correct me if you if you're, you know, your expertise, your reporting is different. Like most kids are talking to kids they know on the Internet and still having mental health problems. Is that an accurate summary of like how te- how most teens use social media? I wasn't talking to people I knew when I was in middle school <laughs> in the early Internet. Because social was. media was different because it was different for us. That's my point. I think it's both. I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's sort of you know, the bullying, the interactions from the, not even bullying, but just, you know, the interactions from kids that they're, they're peers, but then it's so easy now to meet other people, but it's also the content that you're interacting with, you know, whether it's like eating disorders and things like that too. And, you know, to the point too, about being anonymous and it's like that scale thing again, too, it's like, there are downsides to being anonymous. At the same time, you could also argue being anonymous allows people to freely express themselves and seek information online. So the LGBTQ plus community, for example, they think that this will largely impact these these state laws because in theory, you're not going to be able to be anonymous anymore because you have to sign up, you have to show your driver's license or a state ID, and that could potentially out them to parents who would have to approve of them even joining a digital community or keeping tabs on them at a time when they're trying to discover and learn more about who they are, who they want to connect with. So I think that community is especially going to be impacted by something like this. So again, it's sort of that like, it's like being anonymous is not always a good thing, but in some cases, it's a really important thing as well. Safe thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the only safe option. I didn't even think about how much it's going to affect LGBTQIA like youth. That's kind of the only place where they have a true ability to explore safely and, you know, seek out safe resources. That's going to be so intense. Totally. And also the parent approval. That's also under the the pretense that like their home life is supportive and loving and caring. And that's not always the case. And there's sometimes there's not even parents or sometimes, you know, parents are really busy or they might not understand social media. So they might just throw their hands up. Yeah. What about kids in foster care in a group home, homeless kids? Exactly. If Mm -hmm. you can't access the things that connect your peers to each other at school or at a library that's just going to highlight the differences between you and other people your age. Totally. And I think it's like, it takes backward steps. It's like these states and schools and everybody wants some sort of answer. Like, what can we do? And there's really no magic bullet. There's no like 
easy fix here. The only really easy fix is something that comes from the companies. And I think, you know, it's like, we're all trying to like make changes for the companies that are just not really changing that much. And I think that is the issue. Yeah. I mean, just destroy the algorithm. It really, it's like the algorithm is the big bad monster that everyone's afraid to mess with because people, adults are used to the algorithm, right? We're like used to it. And they're like, oh, we can't change it. I'm like, yes, you can. And all also, it's changing slightly all of the time to be worse. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Them to change it to be better. Well, and, and we've talked about this. Its purpose is profit, is yeah. to turn mm-hmm. human attention into profit. Yeah. That's the so whatever you want to call it, the algorithm, the, the news, like whatever system is in place. If you're turning teenagers, I, I movements into profit that should be regulated out of our society. Totally. And it's not to your point earlier too. It's not just teens. I mean, I can't tell you how many Taylor Swift videos I've watched from her Eras <laughs> tour that have taken up hours of my evening when I could have been do- doing something totally productive. Oh, there are times where I legit am like, I am addicted. Why am I still staring at this? Yeah. I can't put it like it feels like an addiction. Sure. I feel yeah, no. I am addicted to And I try to make my phone less interesting to me. You know what I mean? Where like at night I take off all the color. It automatically takes all the color out of my phone. Oh, right. Yeah. And things like that. And then I'm like, well, I just need to watch here. But I'm addicted to weird things, which I've talked about on the show. That's why you're a host here. (laughs) (laughs) I feel very safe here. But I'm addicted to like gymnastics competition videos. And I watch literal track meets. I have never run a track race in my life. And I watch track meets all the time to fall asleep. <laughs> I lo- that's this is why we love the internet. I'm trying Truly. to draw the parallel to cigarettes. Yeah, but there's a difference when you're like, I can't stop watching these. But Samantha, is, are there some cases that you're particularly interested in following where you think it's really an interesting approach? Or that it's going to be very successful? Are there any that yeah. are going to actually help? I do think that the Bucks County one is particularly interesting because, again, you have the school districts that are a part of the law, or rather they're sort of on behalf of some of the school districts. And to have an entire region sort of move forward with something like this, and you have the district's attorney, I think that is something I think more counties will probably follow. But I do think it's just sort of the movement. And I think like, we'll just have to watch it play out. You know, Matt, you mentioned big tobacco too. And I think that is sort of an interesting thing that kind of keeps coming up, especially in these hearings as well, that these, you know, social media companies obviously have been accused of, you know, creating these addictive products that impact our health for profit, very similar. Um, So what did big tobacco eventually do? Well, they, you know, had warning labels on cigarette packages and there was more Mm. awareness around it. And then there were restrictions on advertising and then it cost more. You had to pay more eventually. Mm -hmm. And now you can even go into a restaurant or a bar it's to smoke. And also it's illegal for a person under 18 to smoke a cigarette, right? It's illegal for them to buy it. To buy, right. Okay. To buy that's it, that's yes. That's Different. a good, a good distinction. Consumption is not the the. That's, a, that's an interesting, that's actually an important point, yeah. And some tobacco companies have also invested in alternative products, which I think is really interesting, like yeah. electronic mm-hmm. e-cigarettes or a nicotine replacement therapies, smokeless <laughs> tobacco, things like that. And so it's sort of this entire movement. And I think what we're seeing right now is sort of the early stages of these lawsuits creating this sort of like fire. And then you have like the hearings and it's sort of nothing is in place yet, but eventually maybe we would get to a point where all those big tobacco like examples I just gave 
would potentially play out with social media. It took 30 years for yeah. big tobacco to, to back off. And even then they're, they're not really backing off. Right. I mean, it's still an issue. There are still people who are addicted to tobacco and using e-cigarettes and all the different things that come with that. Uh, but I think that it's come a long way. Uh, it's in, also interesting to think 30 years. So are we all going to be on Instagram in 30 years? I'm sure there will be <laughs> new things we will be very much involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that it's not going away. And I think it started as sort of like a fad in a way. It's like, I remember my space. I remember getting my Friendster account, being so excited and thinking it was so cute. And here we are like literally 20 years later, which is so crazy to think about. And so another 20 years, I mean, it feels far away, but it will evolve. And, but I think like so much of the regulation and the companies will need to change and hopefully we'll be at a different, a different point and we'll look back on this time in our lives and be like, wow, it's so crazy that some kids were even getting on Instagram and whatever at age 12 or 14. It just seems so out of, out of this world. I mean, there are kids making, making money off these platforms, you know, they're, they're all, I've, I see fate, you know, internet famous or social media famous eight year olds and stuff. So yeah. Well, yeah. those are parents who are overcorrecting. <laughs> yeah. Like, follow what your kids are doing. Make your kids do it. Mm, I don't know if that's the <laughs> same thing. It's always tough because whenever I watch those, I'm like, I can't tell how much the child loves it or not. Or did the child love it and now you're carried away because you have brand sponsorships, you know? I think it's mm-hmm. a little bit of both. It's like you know, anytime you have a, a, a working child, it's a family where the kid probably likes to do it because they get to spend a lot of time with their parent. You know what I mean? Kids like to do that. They're getting a lot of attention and whatever. It's a distinction, though, because those accounts are owned by the parents. So yeah. it's not a child using social media. It's a child appearing in social media, which is a bit of a different um, yeah. nut, I think. It's a whole Sep- that's a whole separate problem. Actually, Matt, Matt is the one who can talk to it because he makes videos with his kids. <laughs> I, I, I am one of those people. You are in your aren't though. You're not like, here's Amelia's every move. Like, dance for the camera, Amelia. Yeah. No, no, no. I hate I hate those yeah. I hate those family channels. There's people who do report card readings. Right, yeah, that stuff oh it, it was never Re- interesting to Reading your re- wait, what? They do like it's almost like an unboxing, but they like right. pull the report card out of the slip and they like read it to the camera Yikes. and get the, re- you know, the reaction from the kids. And other people watch them do this? Yeah, like thousands of views. Something it's... is wrong with us, y'all. Because they're subscribed <laughs> to like the family narrative. Right. I mean, that's that's has nothing to do with what we do. But we made a conscious choice of like, we're not making money from this. We're not going to do, you know, m- my income should not depend on whether the kids want to like sing a song today, you know, yeah. so mm-hmm. um, we put boundaries on it, but obviously not everyone thinks about that stuff, I guess. Yikes and a half. (laughs) Matt, you were saying something about how you were, you think about it as a comparison to tobacco addiction in a certain way. I guess my hang up with it is like, I think we will look back in 20 years and think about kids using social media the way we think about kids in the 30s smoking cigarettes. We'd be like, what the fuck was going on back then, as Sam said. But I guess my, my distinction is like, but you don't need cigarettes to apply for a job. You know what I mean? Like if we if we ban platforms and technology, as Sam said earlier, they will not necessarily know how to navigate these things. Right, because it's also the language of the future and they need to be fluent. Yes. Yeah. Meta, for example, they they announced maybe a year or so ago, two years maybe at this point, that they were working on an Instagram for kids. And this was met with a massive backlash. People saying this is so <laughs> ridiculous. But their point was, and I think it's actually a pretty valid point, is 
So many companies are trying, kids are joining a platform that was not designed for kids. And so if you have a platform that was built from the ground up for kids with certain parameters Mm -hmm. in place, and maybe then they graduate from Instagram Mm -hmm. for kids, and then they migrate over to the big one, it's like graduating from middle school and going to high school, then that is innately could potentially be a safer place. And this was met with a lot of backlash. There's also, there's a platform that exists already called Zigazoo. It has a bunch of famous investors investors like Christina Aguilera and you know a bunch of other people whose names are escaping me at the moment. But there are things in place and they're saying that if you start them off there in this little cocoon, then they might be better fit uh, and still are getting that sort of digital literacy at the same time. Hmm. That's absolutely what they should do. And they should not like the ads are so frustrating. There's so mm-hmm. many ads on Instagram now that I'm like, I'm over it. Like, I don't want to log on to here to see another cool jumpsuit that I'm not going to buy, but I want. I like, I get it. Yes, you're right. Your girl loves a jumpsuit. I'm sick of it. Please just let me see my friends on their vacation. I know they went on vacation. I want to see what they did. You know, it's so overwhelming that it makes me not want to do it. And so I just go back to my track videos. (laughs) I think that if they had a platform where, yeah, it's just for kids. There's, it's like Saturday morning cartoons. There's a maximum of this many ads that can come on on during a 30 minute session and Mm -hmm. also that like the kids can only post this many times a week and the parents can put how much time they can spend on the app a day you know what i mean i think there are ways to do it so that you can like you said gain that digital literacy if we didn't let kids read it all because there's pornography like that that's not the answer some states are working on that you know (laughs) yeah we in the u.s are overcorrecting all the time and it's silly i think that's a really great Point. I know you've already answered this, but are there other cases coming up that you think are are particularly interesting? Are, are there others that we haven't mentioned yet? It's interesting because it seems like there's a new lawsuit almost every week. And they're all so different. In some cases, you know, they involve different social media sites, but the thread is often the same where it involves, you know, interacting with their peers and how that's made them feel, the content that they've been pushed and how that also made them feel. But what's interesting is, you know, in talking to different families across the U.S., I've personally, as a reporter, struggled to get a lot of parents to share their stories as far as sharing their name, their details about their kids. A lot of parents want to, of course, protect their their children and they want to remain anonymous. Um, But at the same time, when we're trying to amplify whatever message parents or whoever it is wants to get out there, it's hard when there aren't a ton of details about it. So some families are even filing like Jane Doe lawsuits where they don't want a lot of their details to be out there. But in cases where we have talked to families, there was one mother who was from Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. We went out there maybe about a year or so ago and she was telling us about her 14-year-old daughter who was struggling with depression and had contemplated suicide. And she was just feeling so lost in her anxiety, particularly around messages and photos on Snapchat. And I think there was a case where she wanted a boy that she liked to like look at her stuff. And there were times when he wouldn't respond or things like that. And you know, you have a platform like this that tells you if someone has looked at it or if they're not. In some cases, you can share your geolocation. 
it had gotten so bad that um, she had thought about, you know, taking her own life. And she she would find herself like self-soothing at night on um, other sites like TikTok as well, too. Like she needed it to go to sleep. This was a mother who was really reluctant to kind of share the story. Um, she eventually, the daughter said, I want to be hospitalized. I want to go to a mental institution because this is too much for me. And she, they sought help and the, the daughter is doing much better now. But this was um, something like I mentioned that the mother was really reluctant to come forward with. But since sharing her story and getting her message out there, she's shared her, her story on other networks. She's written a bit about it a bit. And now she's on a the board of an organization that's trying to get more literacy into schools and she's trying to educate other parents. She's connected with other parents with similar stories and realizing that, that she's not alone, that this is something so common. There's also a Facebook group where a lot of parents kind of swap tips for, you know, when should, what age should my kid join um, a social media website? Or, you know, I found these, you know, I found that my kid was exchanging nudes. What do I do? And there's also a service called Bark. I think it's free to like download, but then there's like a package involved where it monitors the kids sort of interactions across social media sites. So not only does it, it kind of flags keywords, like if there's suicide ideation or bullying terms, it would send an alert to a parent's phone so they can like intervene without like reading the everyday, you know, it's sort of, again, that balance of like being connected, but not reading every single thing. Um, and then Bark actually has a new phone out, which is, you know, at a time when kids are, you know, waiting for their first iPhones or whatever device that they want, there's another, a new alternative now that comes with all that stuff, the software and monitoring baked into it. So parents can feel a little bit more comfortable. And then at the same time, kids can still feel comfortable interacting with their friends and are only flagged to their parents if there's something problematic. So it's interesting. I think the lawsuits are just shining a light on something. And there's some really interesting companies like the software one that I mentioned emerging as a response as well. This is a pretty broad follow-up question, but <laughs> how does all of this overlap with the fight against disinformation and misinformation? Misinformation, disinformation, it's just so, you know, there's no regulation. It's so its own animal. And it starts as one thing and it evolves and it grows and it becomes, it impacts people's mindsets and impacts their decisions, their behaviors, what they share with other people. And I think it goes to show, I think like the internet in general, the many different issues that we're facing and how it is, we've moved away from, in some cases, like the wild west of the internet. But at the same time, it's like, even back in the like early AOL chat room days, like how much has really changed when you look at like how you can go into a channel with strangers on discord and, you know, there's predators and there's, you know, you can still meet people that talk about music and you could talk about, you know, identity or whatever you want to, but there's still no rules and the rules that are posed are somewhat problematic. So I don't know. It'll just be really interesting to see how this plays out in the next few months. Even I think this is, it's gaining momentum. And, and it'll be interesting to see where we are a year from now. It's also going to be interesting to see, like, I think all these lawsuits are coming up because it's now parents who grew up with social media. You know what I mean? They're like, I see how this affected me and my friends, and I don't want that to happen to my kids. And I see it happening sooner to them. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that maybe we're just going to grow into it together. And that's mm -hmm. what my hope is, at least. 
that parents who grew up with it will train their kids to be like, this is real, this is not real. And we can sort of all go forward in that way, maybe. And they know it's not going anywhere. They know it's a part of life. And it's not just like a newfangled thing. Yeah. They're not going to be like, we have to stop this monster. (laughs) You know, it's like, lady, it's here. You know, I mean, the parents are on it too. So yeah, yeah. we we all have one. Don't be crazy. So it's, you know, they're just going to have more facility and more information and resources to talk about it, which is hopefully the way that we will make this better and get kids playing sports. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding, but you Pottery know. lessons. Pottery. Pottery. <laughs> well, on that note, we look forward to following these issues with you. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It was great chatting with you guys. Well, that was a great great chat. I feel like this is a big issue and we are only going to be having to think about it and more proactively, individually get into it because like Matt said, the companies just care about profits. My feeling is fuck the children, okay? This is a problem Mm. for all of us, okay? Mm -hmm. This is my hot take. This is a problem for all of us. I think we should unplug the whole internet, um, (laughs) plug it back in, and the only way you can access it is if you take a series of courses, myself included, I'll take them all. And government definitely needs to take them. Everyone needs to take them. This is a very feasible and easy solution. Alison Goldberg, 2024, (laughs) fuck the children. Fuck the children. This, everybody needs help. Everybody. Everybody. And definitely Congress. Congress, most of all, the techies need to come in and give them a crash course. Every time Congress interviews a CEO of a tech company, it's embarrassing for all of us. Indeed. Did you guys see when that when when, uh, one of the congressmen was like, can TikTok connect, can TikTok connect to my Wi-Fi? And the, and the guy was like, I don't even know. Is that real? Yeah, I mean, people are reposting it. It's definitely like out of context and like yeah. the hot take, but it's pretty ridiculous too. You know, no one should even be able to edit that clip. So you heard it here. I know that Congress is shit at asking questions from their confirmation hearing of our first black female Supreme Court justice when they were like, have you read this children's book? And she's like, I haven't read it. I'm a freaking judge. I don't. (laughs) What are you talking about? Is crazy. I mean, always, always. One One of our college friends testified for like the House Judiciary Committee and the questions Mm. were bananas. It was wild Mm. to see someone I knew up there and just be like, what is happening? It's like, how are we even, are are these adults? These are like questions. I work for a company where we encourage children to share their thoughts and ideas. And these questions are more bizarre than the questions we get from children who we say, please be weird to. Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) These questions are more bizarre than that. And these children are like, what does ice cream taste like on Mars? Oh, yeah. We used to elect like, oh, this person was a DA for four years and then they were a prosecutor and they went to law school and now they're running for Congress and they understand this or that and they're a candidate. And that's who we used to elect to represent us. And now we elect like, I have a viewpoint. And I'm angry. Yes, but even aside from that issue, elected representatives, uh, most of them are not keeping up with social media and they need to be educated. Even even Congress people with legitimate resumes, it's absurd. So, yeah, there are barely any of those. (laughs) Then who I mean, and you're being partly facetious, maybe, but like who should educate them? Because you said, oh, the tech bros got to come in and educate. No, we don't want that necessarily. some committee and we need some courses and everybody needs the whole country needs to sign up everybody but like who makes the courses honestly smart children <laughs> we, we smart need, children i what who i would like to train congress is like tra- 
man's child who is going to Yale. That's what I want. Okay. Like they just got into Yale. They're well educated in like old white people talk. That's what you have. That's how you get into Yale. <laughs> surprise. And they are trans. So they, they are also well educated in what it's like to be othered. And they're a child, so they're also well-educated on the internet. Well, if you'd like to keep brainstorming with us, hop into our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. You can also email us, that's 2G1podcast at gmail.com. You can call us, that number is... 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Allie underscore Goldie. I'm at the Lindsay life and we would love to talk to you whenever you want so we hope you're having a great day and that you have taken a moment to stop scrolling the internet kid even though you're listening to this through the internet and most importantly (laughs) patreon.com slash 2g1p no amount is too small we appreciate all of it see you later bye girls one podcast is hosted by allison goldberg and lindsey ford then broadcast into children's classrooms nationwide. I mean, produced by Matt Silverman in New York City. This episode was edited by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the Internet. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.